Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for another episode of Ready, Set, Rise, where Rise stands for Real Individual Sharing Excellence. Now, one of the really good things I love about being in the seat is I have an opportunity to sit across some amazing people. And of course, Rise stands for, again, Real Individual Sharing Excellence. And when I think about somebody who has excellence, our next guest absolutely has it. Um, if I think about another word that describes our next guest, I would say it's authentic. And it's truly being authentic, uh, authentic to yourself. So today, I'm really excited to have Shane, Shane Wenzel, who is the president of Shane Homes Group and Companies. Shane, group of companies. The Shane Homes the Group, Shane of, companies, group yeah. of Companies. And, um, you know, Shane is, is a, a social media influencer. He's, he's considered more of uh, a lot of people would know you even as, as a, a social CEO. And, and we had an opportunity to get to know each other uh, over coffee. I've been following you on social media, and I love everything that you're doing. But one thing I want to do is actually we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your journey because I, I think it's truly inspirational, uh, the adversities, the things that you've come through, and as well as the, the inspirational, um, maybe even some tips that you can share. And then right at the end, we have the RISE round. Of course, RISE stands for uh, Real Individual Sharing Excellence, but it's also trying to get a rise out of you, right? It's <laughs> the world that we live in is so, uh, <laughs> you can't be serious. And if, if we can have fun in the next little, uh, little bit, that'd be fantastic. So Shane, absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me, Michael. Ah, no problem. You know, with every, every episode, we start off by saying, um, do you have a motto or a quote that you live by and why? You know what, there's a, uh, there's a few of them, but, uh, you know, in this particular case, what stands out is, uh, is one that I made a while ago and it, it, it actually does affect me in my life. Uh, but what it says is if you're not prepared to change, it's time to step aside. Mm. And, uh, that's applicable in everyday life. It's applicable in business. It's applicable in a lot of ways. Right. And I think especially what we're going through right now, pivoting into so many different directions and being the leader of your company if you're not willing to change, of course, you know, you could be irrelevant very quickly. And I've seen it happen many times before. Right. So tell me a little bit about, like, I, I think you're well documented in terms of your success and the companies that you run. Uh, the Shane, uh, the entire brand of your business is, is there. And it's not just homes, it's expanding to so many different things. But in order for you to get to where you are, like, walk us through the journey <laughs> of how you got to where you are. Well, yeah, it, it's actually, we're going to go back to 1979. My father, Cal, uh, talked himself out of a job working for a company called Neonex Shelter. Right. And that was a mobile home company, and it was owned by, you know, one of Canada's billionaires, Jimmy Pattison. And Jimmy was known for, you know, his, his, uh, his highlighter pen. So when he would show up to these financial meetings quarterly, he would go through with his entire management team and, uh, and discuss what... Uh, you know, what was good, what was bad about the business. And in this particular case, uh, you know, my father uh, spoke up and said, there's nothing good about it. You know, the, uh, the market is slowly dying and, you know, it's probably a good idea to just shut this down. Mm -hmm. so, well, Jim already knew that. <laughs> you, know, you don't become one of Canada's uh, top billionaires without understanding all that. So he talked himself out of a job, but his severance was that much more for his honesty right. and uh, to date. Him and Jim Patterson are still friends. Wonderful. Yeah. So uh, he took that severance and, uh, and his, his sales manager from Neonex Shelter, Barry Balsley, and they started a company called Shane Homes. Mm -hmm. And that's where it came from. Uh, you know, he, uh, he spoke to me as a young child and just said, look, I want to name the company after you. What do you think? 
what are you going to say when you're seven years old? <laughs> right. Absolutely. Okay. Right. Yes, yeah. Dad. And it took off from there. Now, the, the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, a few little quick facts, uh, you know, jokingly, and my mother will hate me for this, but my father's still sleeping with our first customer. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mother took pity on the boys six months into it. They didn't, uh, they didn't sell a house. Six months later, they had sold nothing. So she, uh, you know, paid them to uh, build her a revenue property. So they built a, uh, you know, a duplex for mm-hmm. her. <laughs> and in the first year, they built six houses. Jeez, wow. You know, so as we got along in time, uh, I think it was about year nine, then it really started to, started to uh, explode. And, uh, you know, here we are, we're doing over 100 houses. And, uh, and I came in in the early, early 90s mm-hmm. full time and uh, became the marketing assistant under my father which was an experience and a half. You ever been in a family business? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's challenging because the expectations are far, far different right. than if you're working in another company. But uh, I had to learn marketing under him. And, uh, you know, I did pop back into uh, school and take some, uh, some university courses and a few others just to try and understand how things were, uh, were changing over time. And it, uh, it's, it's been a real ride, to be honest with you. I mean, I've had to learn something new every day uh, you know, and social media has been one of those things that I've had to learn and right. learn quick. And and back then it was just Shane Holmes. It wasn't Shane Holmes' uh, group of companies. No, it was yeah, just, it was uh, it was just Shane Holmes. We were building single family homes, and they were all front drive homes, and they were all twenty two hundred square feet and up. And things just evolved over time, and that ties back to uh, the change that I mentioned earlier on in that quote. If you're not prepared to change, then, you know, it's time to step aside. Well, we had to change with the market. Mm-hmm. And I've watched a number of our competitors not. Mm. You know, they're, uh, they, be, they became complacent and, and kind of set in their ways. And, you know, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way we're always going to do it. Well, what, uh, what, what happens eventually? Right. And, and sometimes, you know, what got you here might not necessarily keep you here. Exactly. Right. So change, like, I think... The number one consistent or constant in, in the world is one death taxes and of course change. Right? Exactly. So uh, walk me through when you were going through this as a kid. I mean, there's a lot of expectations on you, placed on you. Your, your the name of your company is there. Was there ever a moment where you said, "Well, you know, I don't want to do this." I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Even leading into uh, into my teens in high school, I mean, there was a lot of pressure and a lot of anxiety over this. Uh, but there was never pressure from, uh, from either of my parents to pursue this as a career. You know, my, uh, my mother, uh, you know, is still disappointed that I didn't pursue uh, a career in comic book art or in <laughs> broadcasting. Right. Because, um, well, you're both talented in both of those, right? Well. <laughs> you got the voice, the silky smooth voice. <laughs> the midnight voice. Yeah, yes. right. And we had, we had coffee a while ago, and, and you were telling me about that, the comic yeah. book, your, your love of comic books. Did that skill set ever translate into success in what you currently do as a president of Shane Holmes group of companies? I think it did really. Okay. Uh, you know, just be, it just having that creative artistic background, you know, certainly helps when you're putting together newspaper ads at the time. So it just gives you a different, different kind of flair for how to, uh, how to approach things. Right. Do you still practice that? Do you still, I still have the art board at home and I oh, still no, do the occasional thing on there, but uh, you know, finding time is hard now. <laughs> Except not over, not during a pandemic when everything shut down. Then you have lots of time. <laughs> Do you ever uh, try to create your own comic book? Oh, I have my own comic book characters from way back. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah. You should, should post that. <laughs> my whole universe. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
you said your parents are, are both entrepreneurs. Yes. What did your mother do? Uh, my mother was in oil and gas for a number of years. She owned her own consulting company. And, uh, you know, when the, uh, when oil went bust, uh, you know, she had to, uh, to kind of pivot in her own way. And she got more into uh, market research. Okay. So she's done uh, all the market research for the company, oh God, for at least the last 35 years. Right. You know, she was doing market research for us when people didn't understand what market research was. <laughs> right. You know, so it uh, it's worked out well for her. But, you know, now, I mean, that part of it is slowing down. And uh, and I think that she's become more of a full-time activist. Mm, interesting. And she's one hell of a writer, too. So is she doing the copy for some of your uh, advertisements or, or marketing material? Or is that just you? No, oh no, I don't do any of that anymore. That's the whole <laughs> marketing team. You know, they've, yeah. they've since shoved me out of the way since I become president. But uh, no, she still looks over ad copy and, uh, you know, and she, uh, you know, her and I bounce ideas off each other for uh, for the business in Calgary column every month. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're con- contributing, um, a contributor for that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's been a fun little idea. <laughs> that, well, and that came recently, within the last year? Yes. Oh, good. Yeah, I think my first column was in February or March. Where do you find time? Uh, well... <laughs> is, or is it just an outlet for it's you? Just, I think it's an outlet more than anything. Yeah, it's therapeutic. Find, finding the time is uh, is easy enough. It's just, uh, you know, getting the right ideas. And that's uh, that's where my mother comes in is, you know, she just, she can put a few other things in perspective, whereas I might go on a rant. <laughs> now, you know, your your parents are, are wise and they're entrepreneurial. Do they still guide you as you are the president? They say, hey, son, I think you should do this or... I maybe consider this. Oh, definitely. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. My father was in my office again today and, you know, we were just bouncing some ideas off each other and he, uh, you know, he agreed with me in one respect and in another one, no. Because oftentimes I see where uh, a son maybe takes over a family business and they want to leave their own mark. There's that, um, you know, I want to do it on my own. I don't want people to think this was a nepotism or a sense of entitlement. Did you ever go through that where you said, look, I need to put my own stamp on this because dad created this. Yes. But I don't want my friends to ever say, well, you had a handout. You know what? I, uh, well, I mean, let's back up on that then. Uh, it wasn't predetermined that I was going to become the president of the company just because my name was on the door. Right. I, uh, I had to take a number of years and I had to earn that, uh, that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, and my father made that quite clear up front. And uh, you know, in the case of my son, who uh, who works there uh, full time during the summer, if he wants to pursue it, great. But it doesn't mean that he's going to become the president of the company one day. He has to earn that. Love it. Yeah, and I think that uh, this younger generation sometimes has a sense of entitlement. They think, mm-hmm. you know, and especially in let's say the Asian culture very entrepreneurial and you know they groom the child to take over their business but sometimes they're they're not ready for it and oftentimes that you know business just fizzles away mm-hmm. in your case it was the opposite it just went <laughs> right yeah although i think i should have been president at uh, at 30 years old but it took a lot longer than that <laughs> so t- tell me what are things that you had to do what your your you know your father forced you to do um to learn the ropes like what are Oh, to learn the ropes. Non- non-glamorous uh, things. Is it forcing? <laughs> uh, at 14 years old, he told me, you're not going to sit on your ass all summer and uh, and do nothing. Uh, we need help out in the field, and you need to get out there and understand what, you know, a work ethic is. Mm-hmm. So at 14 years old, you know, John Hirschhoff would show up at the house at about 7 a.m. Right. And pick me up to 
take me to the job site. He was usually there by 7.30, so that's why he grabbed me by uh, 7 a.m. And I'd get a list of things to do, and it was primarily laying patio blocks from the driveway down to the lower walkout. So it's not anything glamorous. You're you're physically lifting and physically lifting. Yeah, yeah. No, they just drop the blocks in the front yard. So you snap the tie on it and you just carry them one block at a time. Is is that why you're still fit? <laughs> no, that's why I have scars on my knuckles. <laughs> uh, you know your your success in the business, of course, is well documented. We see the signs, and and uh, you know I was excited to meet you. When you're when you're managing such a big team, mm-hmm. does it does it get harder as you become more and more successful or do you start to delegate and have confidence in what you're doing that you, you, you know what you're doing now? You have to delegate. Uh, I can't know it all. There's no possible way. I can learn bits and pieces of, uh, of every end of the business, but I can't know it to perfection like, uh, like other people. So, you know, it's an old, uh, it's an old term that you, you know, you empower your people, but it's a very true term, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to call it. Why else would you have them there? Why else do you pay them well if you're not going to allow them to, to go out and make decisions on your behalf and make right decisions and wrong decisions? Just hopefully they make fewer wrong decisions than anything. Right. You know, but we have a very high, high knowledge group in the company. And uh, it's, it's fun every day just to come in and, 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 you know, when they come back with their feedback, I mean, there's no fear. They're not, they know I'm not going to get mad at them if I'm disagree or if they're disagreeing with my opinion on it. I actually appreciate it because I might not be making the right decision. So it's a, tr- it's a truly open door policy there. It has to be. It has to be. I think that's the only way that your, your business is successful. Like I said, I, you know, I can't make all the, the right decisions. I don't have all the knowledge. I have to rely on them to, uh, to be the best that they are and give me the right advice. Were you ever placed in a situation where, like, how did you learn that, that you have to make a decision or you empower your team to make a decision? Like, was there a moment in your life where dad says, okay, you make the decision and, and empowered you to do it? I think that's uh, just something you learn over time. Now, you know, I give a lot of credit to uh, to Tech Canada because I was a I was involved with a group for about seven years, and uh, you know, I had some incredible people in that group that we're still friends even today, even though I'm not there and they may not be there. But mm. uh, I still use them as a sounding board at times. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like your board of direct or the advisory board of directors, informal board, board of advisors, your mastermind group, yes. something like that. Because if you look at, uh, you know, my father's management style and my management style, he's, he, he jokingly calls it a passive dictatorship. <laughs> uh, we're actually on the same page. I just call my, uh, my management style more collaborative. Right. Yeah. And, you know, as, as you've built this company, I, I, um, what are some of the lessons you've learned, uh, let's say, over this last pandemic? Because it's, it's really caused people to pivot yeah. and change. Uh, so when this pandemic first hit, what went through your mind? Because I, I think as a, as a builder, show homes and, and showing the, the, the asset yes. is, is how you sell things. I mean, these are high ticket items. You can't just go online and click and buy it. I mean, you maybe you could, I don't know. Soon. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. And, and you, you feel that's where we're moving right now? Is that how, that's it's, exactly it's, where that's how it's pivoted? That's exactly where, we, where we're moving. Uh, but to back up on that with, uh, you know, uh, it was scary. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, when this, uh, this whole COVID thing started, uh, Matt and I were actually away on vacation and kind of poo-pooing it. You know, this, uh, we're, we're relating this to SARS, which really didn't have much of an effect in mm-hmm. Canada. 
And by the time we got home, uh, you know, the next day I'm going into the office and Matt's going back to work. And that evening we're having a pretty serious conversation about it. And, uh, you know, a day later I'm sitting down with the entire management team of the company and we're coming up with COVID protocol. Wow. (laughs) And by the time that was done at noon, uh, I looked at everybody and said, I guess based on what we wrote here, I have to go home. They're like, yeah. And I said, well, I'll uh, see you all on Zoom, and I'll be back in in another 11 days. Wow. You know, but those were the rules, and that's what we were going to follow. So we, uh, we, uh, we had to move through that pretty quick. But it became apparent early on that, uh, that our staff were, were, were quite nervous as well. You know, and I, uh, I felt I needed to do something to, uh, to kind of calm those nerves. And I just made a simple statement to everybody, and I, uh, and I did it over video, is that, you know, look, if we make absolutely nothing this year, I'll guarantee that everybody will have a job. Wow. You know, and that, uh, that took away a lot of the fears that they had because mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than the great unknown as to whether knowing whether or not you're going to have a job to come back to the next day. Mm-hmm. And I think that really, I guess, galvanizes or, or just strengthens the overall culture that you have their back, mm-hmm. right? Was there a moment where you said, okay, I, th- I might be faking this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm saying all the right things. I'm like, oh man, I'm really scared. Well, sure. It, uh, absolutely. You're faking it because you don't know what to expect. Right. You know, you're into the great unknown, this chaos event that, uh, that happens once in a lifetime, hopefully, right. uh, you know, but you're, you know, our people, you, we rely on foot traffic to the show homes. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody's coming out now. You know, now fortunately we were ahead of the curve because, you know, we had a, uh, a, a strong digital strategy in place from the beginning of the year. So, uh, we had virtual tours, you know, we, uh, we had moved a lot of our advertising to digital. So that made a big, big difference. Mm-hmm. You know, so we found that people were spending more time online as we all did. Right. You know, they, uh, they have these phones and, you know, they're clicking away and clicking away and looking for, uh, for information, looking for details. And, uh, you know, we were able to keep people engaged that way. Mm-hmm. And that was important. You know, I've I've heard you say a few like before that researching was one thing that's important, mm-hmm. and, and understanding market trends. It's interesting what a month has done or a couple of months has done. We've gone through a global pandemic, you know, low low oil prices, you know, uh, multiple corrections, and and I found that Alberta wasn't as we didn't we didn't see that run up in in real estate like we saw across the country. Yes, if you're going to forecast the trend in your business like where do you see Shane Holmes group of companies in the next year to five years uh well I can see us moving more to a more online uh you know and if there's one thing that one one thing good I rather that's come out of the uh the pandemic is that people are used to shopping online right so very shortly we're going to introduce uh build and price your home mm. you know we uh, we had something similar in place about five years ago it wasn't the uh, wasn't the right time People just weren't ready for it, but, you know, everybody spent all their time shopping on Amazon or shopping online because they were fearful of going out. Mm. So now we have an option available to them, and I can see this becoming more popular. It'll be slow to take off. I think people will be more comfortable in the sense that if they go and they shop online for a condominium, it's a little easier because you're not able to move walls. You know, the walls are set, the layout's set. Mm -hmm. It's just picking a few of the items inside the unit. And that will eventually evolve into single-family homes. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that trend of buying online has, has been moving. I think this pandemic has accelerated it. 
absolutely it, it absolutely accelerated. It was going to happen anyways. I think Tesla was a bit ahead of the curve. You're buying a you know a Tesla online, no dealerships, and uh, you know of course a home is much more expensive than a Tesla. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, to be able to do that and create a culture where it is you know you have that confidence, and I think the fact that you do have a very strong brand mm-hmm. goes a long way because if you're just a new developer, there's no way. I would just trust clicking a couple of buttons. I don't know. Well, it's not. Yeah. Well, it, uh, exactly to that point. It's not just a matter of just pushing buttons. You you have to believe in the brand. You have to believe in right. the company behind all of it. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then what are you buying? Right. We do this all the. Well, we do this quite a bit, even on Amazon. If you're if you're shopping there, I mean, yeah, the shirt looks great. Yeah, and it shows up, and wow. It's it's way too big, or you know, <laughs> right. is this really silk? It feels a lot like, <laughs> like a burlap sack. Like, right. you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, it's Shane Holmes' group of companies. Yes. Walk me through the other groups, uh, uh, other silos, well, different business models. The uh, the other groups uh, attached to it is uh, Shane Multifamily. Okay. You know, because again, you know, if you're not prepared to change, well, changing meant adding in multifamily to the mix. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have uh, low-rise buildings. You're going to have uh, uh, townhome projects. I mean, there's lots of things that you can do with a multifamily division, uh, you know, just to uh, just to balance everything out and, and stay current with the times. Uh, the other division is uh, the land development division. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, just trying to take control of our own destiny. And, I mean, if you look at it, uh, a lot of the building groups in Calgary aren't just home builders and separate developers they're all one and the same now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are so. your, what are your thoughts on and the, the concept of urban sprawl? <laughs> you know, cause they said, well, what are you doing? And, and, and then there, there has been a move to have people live more downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, as a builder, is that, is that an issue as well? Um, well the, the whole the idea of, of urban sprawl? Like what are your thoughts I on that? I always have an issue with the term urban sprawl <laughs> because to me, you know, in Calgary, you do not have urban sprawl. Right. We build one subdivision after another, after another, after another. Right. And a little known fact is that Calgary is one of the most dense, or has one of the most dense subdivisions, uh, subdivision plans in all of Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I see urban, people make the, uh, speak of urban sprawl. Yeah. That's California. That's Texas. That's uh, Arizona. Mm-hmm. You know, where they could jump a mile in between a subdivision and just start building out of the, uh, out of the sand. They're, uh, they're building one house per, per third of an acre. Here we build nine houses per acre. Mm-hmm. How is this sprawl? Do you ever imagine yourself moving into, let's say something like a, a resorts or something, something different? What do I look that old now? No, I, I think, I think because <laughs> I you're so, you're so forward thinking, right? <laughs> Um, it's hard to tell where it's going to be in the next, uh, next 10 years. I mean, who, who could have predicted that this would happen during COVID and after COVID that, you know, that, that a lot of the things would shift. And I mean, it still has yet to be proven in my mind, at least that a lot of what we're seeing is a, is, is a fad more so than a trend, but right. ask me the same question again in a year and we'll know a little bit more. But, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing to, uh, to come out of all of that is that we, we've learned a lot more about our customers and what they want. And I, and I, and I say that sincerely because now they've really had to live in their homes. Mm. You know, people would usually come home, have dinner, and they'd have, uh, you know, probably something to do with the kids. And then they come back home and they'd, uh, they'd go to sleep. Right. Well, now they were working out of home. <laughs> they were literally working and living in their home 
almost 24, uh, 24-7. So that's when people start to think and they really start to, to look at their lifestyle and how it could possibly change. We've seen a lot of this. Mm-hmm. You know, people are living, I mean, working from home. I think that whole work remotely or side hustle or whatever it might be, yes. that's not going away. Like no. there are large corporations who have saved a ton of dollars and said, this is a lot more efficient. Mm-hmm. Employee uh, happiness is up. Uh, you're saving a lot of time traveling, all this other stuff. And and the reason why I bring this up is uh, when I look at some of the homes that you are creating in, in your show homes, mm-hmm. you are, you're addressing needs for like, I mean, podcast, like yes. talk, talk to me about some of the rooms. How does something like it's, I've, I've never seen this before where you're creating rooms that are so forward thinking that there's a podcast room in well, some of the houses. It's just taking what we've learned over the past year and what people have been doing in their new homes or right. in their homes in general, it doesn't even have to be a new home. And we're just, we're putting it into a, a, a specialized kind of theme room to say, look, this doesn't have to be a bedroom. You want a podcast room? Here's a full-fledged podcast room. This is what it could look like. Mm-hmm. You know, in another case, we've built, you know, the ultimate gamers room. Right. You know, because people game. And, you know, this isn't age-restricted. You know, I know lots of it, you know, ad- adults my age who are gaming and, you know, and they're quite good at it. Are, are you a gamer? Me, I'm not a gamer. My son is a gamer. Oh, is that right? You know, and a number of people in the office are, you know, people I never would have thought of. Right. You know, I, I grew up playing uh, Nintendo, like, like Mike, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. That's the kind of stuff Absolutely. I grew up But not, none of this new stuff. It's a, I think the gaming world is a little bit too real <laughs> for me. You know, it's, just, it's a little bit too real. My life is already exciting. I'm fine. <laughs> I tried playing Halo with my son years Halo's ago. Halo's a great game. Yeah, well, I, I was having fun with it, but I couldn't do anything right. Yeah, you're getting shot in the head all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay. I could, you know, just push the button and I'm back alive. So. <laughs> That's right. You know, uh, staying on on theme with the whole podcasting, let's mm-hmm. just pivot a little bit because sure. podcasting has allowed a lot of people to get their voice out there mm-hmm. and not only just establish a brand, but uh, again, reach an audience that they might not have ever um, reached before. So this show, believe it or not, is actually seen, a lot of it is in Asia. Really? Oh yeah, it's a, a ton in Asia. Uh, in US, Canada, US and Asia. A lot of a lot of the people who watch. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, if you plan on having Shane Holmes group of companies in in Singapore, Philippines, or Japan, or wherever, and uh, you're you're building your brand there. Another market to learn. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so walk me through you being the social CEO, <laughs> because that is something that a lot of CEOs don't do. They don't open up, and, and that's the the thing that impresses me the most about you is that you are very open to who you are and that's why i said authenticity you are not this cookie cutter ceo no that's quite the contrary that's boring (laughs) right i still have a few of my counterparts who shake their head at me uh and they uh, they honestly they openly sit there and say this is for marketing to do what the hell are you doing why are you wasting your time doing it uh, like you said, I mean, this is branding, this is personal branding, but this is, uh, this is me branding the company as well. Because to me, what, you know, what I say, what I do is, is reminiscent of the values of the company as well. Right. You know, I, uh, I got those from my parents. I, you know, we've added to them over the years. This is how you stand out from the crowd. This is, this is how you let people know who you are. You know, other than just that advertisement on the on the, on a bus stop or on a sign or, you know, that uh, that pop up that comes up on your phone, that's important. Right. 
And you know, I've I've followed I've been following you for about a year, and surprisingly, you don't post a lot of business stuff. No, you post a lot of the human aspect. And I think if we look at a trend where artificial intelligence, robots, technology is going to be such a big part of our life, yes, the human interaction will come at a premium. And there's that likability aspect of it. So, I mean, do you? Is it culturally across the company? Is it? everyone should have their own brand or this is just your initiative? This is my initiative, but there's a number of people who do have it. Uh, even our salespeople, uh, you know, some of them, some of the, uh, the younger, newer salespeople recognize the, uh, the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to learn this from the ground up. I, uh, I picked up social media with a Twitter account uh, about 11 years ago. Oh, you're still ahead of the curve. Though. I'm still ahead of the curve. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, then I opened up a Facebook account, a LinkedIn account, and, uh, you know, Instagram never crossed my mind right? until my son had, uh, was coming over and visiting, uh, cause he'd spend two weeks with me, two weeks with his mother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what had happened was, you know, this was a challenge. He challenged me to get on Instagram and he would show up every week and say, how many followers you got? I'm like eight. <laughs> and he says, I got 80. Next week he'd show up. How many you got? I'm like 17. He's like, I have 170. Mm. You know, so I think by the fourth time he came back, I figured I'll fix this little bugger. Yeah. And I went out and I bought 250 followers. <laughs> so <laughs> what he asked me the next time, I said, he said, how many do you have? I said, 338. He's what? Yeah. What? What? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'd always played around with it. And I, uh, I could see early on that there was a real benefit to all of this, uh, you know. And, uh, you know, of course, back then, I mean, there's, there's really no guidance on this. There's no one teaching courses, you know, you can't hop online and go to, you know, the social media academy anywhere. Right. So you kind of made it up and uh, being authentic just seemed to be the best way to approach all of this. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I just carried it on and, uh, you know, I, uh, I included one person in the company who, uh, who did nothing but social media. My father wasn't too happy about it. He, he, he bugged me about this for five years. Why are we employing this person to do this? Right. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of Okay, dad, come on. Just relax, just listen and or watch and and, 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 and you'll see some results. Uh, and it just kind of took off from there. But uh, during a pandemic, here we have all this extra time and the marketing team kind of challenged me. They just said, you know, we would really like it if you could do more to help support the brand. I said, sure, but I'm going to do it my own way. Love it. You know, so it wasn't about... I'm going to, you know, pop out advertisements. I mean, would you do that if you're, if you're going to a networking event? Are you just going to walk around and start flipping cards at people mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, walking around with an advertisement pasted to your chest? Right. No. You're going to go up there. You're going to introduce yourself. You're going you're gonna to have a little small talk at first, but then you're going to get people to open up. Mm-hmm. You're going to get them to open up and talk about who they are as a person you know, what their kids do for sports. And you can probably relate to a lot of that. Right. And that to me is what social media really is. It's, it's getting out there and having those conversations with people and, and finding the commonalities that, that, that tie you together. The thing, Shane, that I do see about your social media, when I talk about authenticity, it's very easy to fake it. We, oh, sure. you know, it's very easy to post the best of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever found yourself in a situation where you said stuff that might've got you in trouble because I think everything, if I post something, I think, okay, this is going to show up 20 years down the road and you know, it's going to bite me in the ass. <laughs> it, like, do you, do you have those control mechanisms or do you post whatever you feel? Like what's, what's your process there and have you got yourself in trouble? 
Oh, I definitely, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat cautious on certain things, but for the most part, I really don't give a shit. Good. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, people either like you for who you are or they don't, uh, yeah, somebody's always going to have a problem with whatever you post. Right. You know, and it could be the littlest thing or it could be the biggest thing. I, th- I think everyone gets so, um, sensitive. Oh, nowadays. Yes. Yeah, uh, we've seen really a lot watch. of that. <laughs> right. So, so uh, what are your thoughts on cancel culture and in that world? <laughs> and, and and now we have to filter what we need to say. I mean, I think it's ridiculous. Uh, honestly, uh, you know, how do we become so soft? Right. You know, how do we, you know, to get people to stop being authentic, to get people to stop, you know, just voicing their opinion is, is, is really the end goal of, uh, of cancel culture. And it's ridiculous in my mind. You know, we talk about, you know, Dr. Seuss <coughs> books, uh, you know, were they relevant at the time? Yes, that was the culture at the time. It's no different than statues now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're taking down statues, erasing our history. Why? Because somebody's offended. Well, give me a break. You're supposed to learn something from that. You're, and, and, and you're not very likely to repeat it. Mm-hmm. You know, so this whole idea of we have to cancel it, we have to cancel it, is absolute bullshit. Yeah, and I think if we look back on history, um, we take the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. There are lessons in everything. And, and maybe we take down a, a statue. It doesn't diminish. I mean... Okay, uh, that person might not have done the greatest things, mm-hmm. but there are a ton of really good things that this person has done, right? And, and I think that I think we find, again, going back to your point, I think we're just hypersensitive, right? Way too hypersensitive now. Right. You know, we've uh, we got to shift the needle back in the other direction to the point where we can actually have a conversation about these things again. How how would you do that? How would you approach that? Having a, a an intellectual conversation. Uh, well, I'm going to start by not being offended. Right. <laughs> you know, I'll, uh, you know, just return it and say, you know, okay, talk away, talk mm-hmm. away. I'm here to listen. And at the end I might sit there and say, okay, well, I don't agree. Right. And we can agree to disagree. Yeah. And that's okay because that's what it was. That's how we built this world. We built it on compromise. Mm-hmm. And when you take away that compromise to, to down to the point where, you know, it's my way or no way. We don't move further ahead. We just sit there and, and, and we fall backwards. Right. I think ultimately, as long as there's a respect mm-hmm. uh, established and an open mind, because that's how people are going to learn. Um, I think it was Voltaire. Voltaire said, I may not agree with what you have to say, but I will fight to my death for your right to say it. Something along those lines. It's a great quote, yes. Yeah, and and uh, and it's that freedom of speech. I, I do believe, though, if you say something, mm-hmm. you have to atone to that. I mean, if you, if you say something and you upset somebody or you say some derogatory comment or if it's racist, yes, you could say it. Just know that there are repercussions to it. Oh, sure. I am all about free speech. Because Absolutely. everyone has their opinion. Well, everybody's entitled to it, uh, you know, and it's uh, it's quite easy, uh, you know, when you have an account on Twitter. <laughs> right. To, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, get a lot of hypersensitive opinions. Right. Again, it's just coming back to listening. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a right to say what you're going to say. I'm going to disagree. We're probably not going to be friends after it, but that's up to you. Right. You know, and I know a lot of people with opposing uh, opposing opinions. Uh, you know, my uh, my husband Matt, we don't agree on things. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm probably more right of center. He's probably more left of center, and we agree to disagree on certain things all the time. Who who wins uh, an argument at home? Uh, well, it depends on the night. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, going going back to having disagreements, I, I, I certainly absolutely believe that as long as it comes from a sense of uh, respect, but oftentimes a di- misinterpretation or disagreement comes from a lack of education. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, I think if you're going to say something, have facts backing it up. Yes. Um, and, and don't just spew out opinion. It's okay to have opinion. But if you're going to try to have an intelligent debate, yes, I think just back it up with fact. Right? Well, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You know, at uh, you know, the only question nowadays is what you know, what is fact and what is fiction. That's true. That's another. That's another hour long conversation. <laughs> but I, I I love being corrected, and the reason being is because. You know, Thank God, you know, uh, Shane, you corrected me because I could have lived the rest of my life with these incorrect views. Mm-hmm. And I, I have zero ego when it comes to that. I, I want people to not necessarily correct me, but just show me if, if I'm wrong. I want to know that I'm wrong because I don't want to live a life of ignorance. <laughs> um, speaking of ignorance, one one topic of, of ignorance, I, I think, is and this is near and dear to your heart, is uh, your relationship. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we could touch on that because prior to this this show, uh, I was talking about how I, I'm a hopeless romantic, <laughs> and I had an opportunity to uh, have a conversation with you and, and talk about that. You openly came out seven years, eight years ago, six years, six yeah, six years ago. So being in your position, uh, a leadership position, all eyes are on you. Mm-hmm. What goes through your mind? Like, how did that happen? A lot of turmoil, <laughs> right. a really a lot of turmoil, uh, and uh, you know, thankfully, uh, you know, my uh, my now husband Matt was there for me to kind of help guide me through it. Mm. You know, because um, you know, again, I mean, we're 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 in a very uh, very conservative province. Right. I'm in a very old fashioned industry, or so I thought. Uh, and having him there at a time when I needed him, uh, and and it was willing. It was willing on his part to uh, to want to share his experiences and give his love and give his support, and that that really made a difference in me coming out. You know, and Matt just had a simple approach of just tell one person a month. Wow! And eventually, you know, you'll tell another and another and another, and you know, he was right. And uh, he even mentioned to me at one point, he said, at some point in time, he said, you won't give a shit about all this. This is just mm-hmm. normal life for you, and you'll talk about it openly. Mm-hmm. Did Did you find him, or he found you? He found me. Is that right? Yeah. You're no, being he, chased. <laughs> you're, the, you're the catch here. <laughs> no, actually, it was, uh, it was kind of fluky. He was in town for an early Christmas with his, uh, with his parents uh, one December, and he just messaged me, and, uh, you know, I was asleep. Great. Uh, next morning, I He had I no idea down. who you were? He no. just messaged you? No, actually, it's a funny story. <laughs> just randomly? Here we are. We, uh, we, we connected that way. He was heading back to Vancouver, where he was living at the time, and, uh, you know, we carried on the conversation. We literally talked on the phone every day, every day until he moved here. Really? But, uh, you know, about, uh, two, three weeks into it, you know, I'm, we're just having a great conversation. He finally tells me, Hey, a girlfriend of mine from Calgary told me to Google you. He said, and I was kind of surprised cause he said, when you said you were in construction, he says like, I thought you had a truck and you had, you know, boards and bricks in the back of your truck and <laughs> you're, right. you're physically building the houses. Yeah. And he said, I didn't realize that. <laughs> and I had to say to him, I said, does that make a difference? He says, well, no, I don't even know what Shane Holmes is. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You know, so he, uh, he came along and, uh, you know, eventually, uh, you know, it was decision time, you know, here we are, we're having this long distance relationship. And he said, well, 
obviously you're not moving this way. And he says, to be honest, I'm done with Vancouver. He said, it's, uh, it's been a wonderful place to live, but he said, I just, I'm, I'm finished with it. Right. So he said, I'm prepared to, to move home to Calgary. And he did. And he moved right in. And, and he was, he was the one that supported you and in, inspired you to authentically be yourself. Yes. Right. And, and you know, the sad thing, sad thing, sometimes people don't have the courage to do that. Did you always know, Shane, like that? You know, there was always something deep inside me. And I, uh, okay. you know, I, I noticed it even when I was younger, I just didn't understand what it was. And, uh, you know, I think as I got more towards my teens, I really didn't want it. Mm. I didn't want it at all. Uh, you know, I just wanted this normal life that, uh, that everybody else had. I didn't want the complications that went along with this. Right. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I did, uh, I did get married and, you know, we had one, one amazing son, you know, thank God, because he's six foot two, about 195 <laughs> yeah. pounds and, yeah. you know, still eats, uh, probably a pizza a night and right. I don't know where he packs it all away. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, but, uh, you know, there were issues in the relationship and they were, they were related to mental health and, uh, you know, unfortunately my ex-wife, she does have mental health issues. And it's, uh, it's very tough for her to admit it. And, you know, after eight years of, of trying, to, uh, trying to help her, trying to get help, uh, I finally just said, I've had enough. Mm. You know, I also had to make sure that my, uh, my son was comfortable, that, uh, that he, could, he could take care of himself if he had to, uh, you know, because we had to split off time. I mean, that's, that's what the courts expect is that, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's split evenly between two parents. So... I think a lot of people thought, you know, you left her because you realized you were gay. No, that wasn't the reason why. It was mental health. Mm. Uh, you know, so it took about another year and a half with my son to kind of feel, to get him comfortable with, uh, with the whole thing, you know, splitting time between two parents' houses and, mm. uh, and uh, you know, with, uh, you know, this new situation. And then finally I'm sitting there one night on the couch and I'm just, you know, having a few drinks and, uh, you know, chatting away online. And, uh, and I get approached by, uh, by a fellow who said, too bad you're not gay. I'd love to take you out on a date. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, I'm not offended. You know, I'm like, well, thank you very much. I mean, what a compliment. It's a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You got great taste. <laughs> uh, you know, so, I mean, not like I wasn't having, uh, having thoughts about this before because, you know, when you're sitting in your own house for two weeks alone and, uh, you know, the dog's not much for conversation, you get stuck in your head. Right. Uh, and finally I just, I came to the conclusion two days later, I texted him back and just said, okay, let's go out on that date. And, and how did you I, feel? It felt so natural. Wow. Felt absolutely natural. A lovely, uh, lovely guy. And, and, uh, you know, obviously, you know, he's been out for quite some time. So, I mean, I, I look like a bit of a basket case <laughs> to him. Right. <laughs> like, I don't need this right now, but you're a lovely person and I wish you nothing but the best. And well, that was fine. That and, was and, fine. And so that really kind of sparked it off is, okay, where am I at? Where am I at? You know, and, you know, should I keep denying this? You know, does it really, really matter? Mm-hmm. Any challenge I've ever had in my life, I've taken on and I've come through it. Mm-hmm. So why is this any different? It, it's tough because I was reading a statistic that 3.5% of um, the population of Canada mm-hmm. is gay. Some, something around like 900,000 to a million people in Canada are gay. Yes. And in the United States, it's 4.5%, which is 
Uh, and they said something along the lines of 39% of those people, uh, um, that population in the United States is suffering from some type of mental illness. Yes. So that's a roughly, if you do the math, it's 5.8 million, which is the population of Kentucky. Right? So that's a lot of people. Sure. And I would assume that because of that, that pressure, most people don't, or many people don't come out of the closet. So what message would you give someone who's trying to find their voice, trying to find out who they are? Because you went through it in a, I don't, I don't know if it was a very public thing, but you're, you're a prominent figure. Mm-hmm. Many people don't because they're of, of whatever fear or whatever it might be. Like what advice would you give somebody? Uh, just be who you are. You can't be scared your whole life. Mm-hmm. You know, that just leads to, uh, that leads to regrets. Right. And, uh, you know, I would say that even now for myself, uh, you know, I'm still kind of discovering who I am. No way. You know, because you, you, it's almost like you construct, whoops, you construct this, uh, this image of who you should be as opposed to who you actually are. And that's, uh, that's what came out of all of this is that, uh, you know, what do I like? What don't I like? And there's been a few things that have really kind of changed in my mind, you know, and it's, uh, it's interesting, but, uh, you know, again, I would just say, you know, just be yourself. You know, you're going to be scared. It's, uh, it's, it's just something that you have to do in life is, is do those things that scare you. You mm. do it all the time. So this is really no different. You know, entrepreneurs live in a world of permanent uncertainty, mm-hmm. and there's always fear. Yeah. Was that the scariest thing that you've ever had to do in your life? No, jumping out of an airplane in South Africa. <laughs> Is that right? That was the scariest thing I ever no did. No kidding. Really? I think that was more scary than coming out. Really? Matt, Matt's from South Africa, right? Matt was born in South Africa, okay. and uh, they moved out of there when they were uh, three years old because his father got an offer from uh, an oil and gas company in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Right. And uh, the way he describes it to me is he said, I still remember landing in the plane, looking outside, seeing snow, and he says, as we walk out of this airplane onto the tarmac, he said, there's a blizzard. (laughs) Right. And he said, my mother, you know, who never swears, let out a few (laughs) as soon as they got off the airplane. And and this was in South Africa? No, no, he's from South Africa. This is him coming here. He was born in South Africa, and this is him moving to Calgary, Calgary, Canada. And it was a great opportunity uh, for his father, uh, you know, who was in oil and gas his, uh, his, his entire career. Right. You know, we are, um, it seems like we're opening up in terms of the pandemic. Sure. And you have a cottage down south and, uh, yes. you know, you've, you've traveled. If you can travel anywhere in the world, where, where would you go? There's so many places, but I still love, uh, I love London. Oh, is it right? Yeah. How come? It's the old world. It's, uh, it's the culture there. It's, uh, you know, just the, everything about it. I mean, it, it lends so much to the imagination and your creativity and, mm. And how they've uh, just developed over the years. Right. Now, Matt would not like some of the new architecture, and I tend to agree with him because I just love that old world look. Did you get a chance to walk on uh, Abbey Road? Uh, we walked all over the place oh, there. Oh, did you? Yeah, Matt's, uh, Matt's parents have a place there, and we're able to use it uh, whenever we want. And I think we've been over there together three or four times so far. You know, they've, they've had... Um, people come out of the UK who've been inspirational. I think George Michael... When he first came out, like, yes. 
no one, no one saw that. He was part of Wham. Yes. And uh, you know, we we lost him too soon. He's a he's a he's a great artist. We um, did. Matt still talks about that. Yeah, he's, he was fantastic. Um, who was that guy? Rocket Man. I'm trying to. Oh, oh. <laughs> Elton John. Elton John married a Canadian. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Did you ever see Lucky Elton for him? <laughs> right. <laughs> Did you ever see Elton John live? No, I haven't. You know, Matt has, and I'm kind of jealous. I never saw George Michael live, but I, uh, I've seen quite a few. You're, you're fairly big on live music, right? Well, you know, that was one of the things that kind of came out of the closet with me. You know, I always, uh, I, I, I didn't know it, but I actually enjoy concerts. Oh, they're great. You know, so a couple of years ago, uh, you know, Matt gets all excited. He says, the Spice Girls, the Spice Girls are touring. Oh, biggest band in the world. Yes, the so, but they're only touring in Europe. Mm. So, of course, where do we go? We go to London to Wembley Stadium with 90,000 other crazy uh, fans right. and watch the Spice Girls perform. That must have been wild. Oh, my God. I mean, a 90,000-person stadium. Yeah. Everybody's singing along the whole way through. Didn't Freddie Mercury sing in Wim- Wimble- uh, Wim- In the old Wembley Stadium, yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Freddie Mercury was hands down one of the best front men ever. Yeah, you know, one of the best male voices. Of oh, all unbelievable. Unbelievable. And one hell of an entertainer. Yeah. yeah he, he put himself out there. Like he was uh, 100% best front man. <laughs> who's, who's that, uh, the other guy who was taking over Freddie Mercury? Um, Adam Lambert. Yes. He's good too. Yes, he is. He's a great artist. And so, no, I just, I, just, I love music as well. I, I find it, it's magical for somebody to be able to create a sound. I'm like, how do, how do you create a sound? I, I don't play any instrument. Do you play any instruments? No. I don't play any interest- Can instruments, you no. Can you sing? Not worth a damn. No, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, that's Matt's job. He's uh, oh, he's a good singer. He's a good singer. He was in the uh, the boys' choir when he was younger. No way. Well, he has that look. He's a very good looking man. He's a very good looking man. He has yes. great smile. Great smile. Well, thank God because he, you know, I always tell him. I said, "You and that big, beautiful smile." Yeah, he's he's and he's like, he has a great look, right? Mm-hmm. Angled jaw. At least he's a good looking dude. <laughs> so he can sing. He can sing. Yes. Does he ever sing to you? Uh, no, he doesn't sing to me, but I'll tell you what, we have a karaoke mic and we've got it hooked up to the stereo system and there's been a few house parties where he gets on there and he starts belting them out. Oh, that's dangerous. You're talking about karaoke with a Filipino guy, right? That's like, <laughs> we're just naturally drawn to that. Like, well, okay, cool. Um, so t- talking about Matt, so you're, you've, uh, would go to London. Where else would you travel? Oh, I still love Paris. Oh, Paris is good. Paris is beautiful. And I mean, you can get there so quick from England. You know, again, it's that, that old world culture. Uh, you know, I've just, uh, I think that's what I gravitate to more so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've walked around all of Paris, gotten lost a few times. So that's okay. That's what Google Maps is for. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, just what a lovely culture, uh, you know, and stopping off at little cafes for a coffee and uh, and a croissant along the way. I mean, it's just a very relaxed lifestyle, even though you're in a city of millions. Mm-hmm. I think this pandemic has really reinforced that life is short mm-hmm. and we should travel. We should experience things. I've heard a few of your posts talking about uh, living in the moment. I think the words you used was savoring the moment, savoring yes. the moment, something along those lines. Give me a... Oh, the video from Hawaii on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> give, give me an example where... You know, all the chaos in your world, managing a group of companies where you just said, okay, I'm going to shut it down and I'm savoring this moment. I try to as much as I can, but the easiest way to do this is to go to Montana. <laughs> yeah, right. And I can't get across the border to Montana. <laughs> right. 
Um, are you are you much into pop culture at all? You seem like you know pop culture fairly I well. I know very little. Matt would be the expert really? on all of that, yeah. Yeah, because we, we had a couple of musical references, and you seem like you're up to speed with it. If I were to show you a couple of pictures, would you be able to name these famous trios? So we're going to go through a pop culture test. All right. All right. Because you, you know I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Shane... A Shane fan, right? I think you're yeah. cool, but to, I, I got to see if you're really as cool as uh, as I think you are. Oh, I failed the test. <laughs> okay, famous trios. Who are these guys? Oh, I think, come on, the Three Stooges. Oh, all right, cool. So it's, I'm giving you a layup, okay? Um, okay, let's try this one. How about this? Oh, yes, Three's Company. That was great. That, do you remember? I still miss John Ritter. I wish John, he hadn't died. Yeah. You know, it was interesting because... Mr. Stanley or Mr. Furley, they thought he was gay. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he certainly had the movements. He had the features. Well, he, ha- we, he had to pretend because he was living with two women, and back then you're not allowed to have yeah. inter-gender uh, you know, roommates. Yes. Okay, all right, you're, you're two for two. Hurry up, cancel them. <laughs> How about oh. these guys? Oh, my God, the Three Amigos. Okay, <laughs> Three Amigos, great movie, excellent movie. All right, you're three for three. How about... Uh, how about these guys? Oh my god! <laughs> there has to be a story here because I, I was looking at this. I'm like, what is that on their heads? And I, I think I know what it is, but I, I, I need to hear it from you. What is that on your head? This is what happens when you go down to Lake Cucanusa <laughs> during the summer, right? And you have lots of scotch. <laughs> you put pull-up diapers on your head uh, and yeah. run around the campground. There, there must be a band name. Or something. There's no band name. Poopy heads. A, you know, just uh, three three <laughs> idiots. Uh, yeah, that's about it. You know what I love about this is that you still have this on your social media. That's oh, what absolutely. I love. Because oftentimes people will go through and cleanse their social media, start Why? deleting that. This is my photo book of life. Why would I get rid of it? I mean, there's 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 funny moments, there's happy moments, there's sad moments. Yeah, when when you eventually run for mayor. <laughs> or for <laughs> politics, <laughs> which is likely going to happen, you have to make a decision. Do you pull that? <laughs> Do you ever think about running for politics? Uh, no, I won't take it down to hell with people if they don't <laughs> like it and they don't like me. I love it. I love it. Um, speaking of pop culture, you, you, um, you're, you're the boss. Yes. Right. I mean, do you do you remember a show? I mean, do do people? Are you an approachable boss? Do people are. Oh, absolutely. They, 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 they like you as the boss? Well, I hope so. Or, or they're really lying to me every day. So I have an open door all the time. Uh, you know, the only time I close it is when I get frustrated at the interruptions. I'm like, I need to work. Has anyone ever said you kind of look like somebody else? Have you ever, like a celebrity? Oh, I've had a few people say okay, that. Who, who? Well, my sister is convinced that I look like Tom Hanks. I can't see the resemblance. No, I've, not really. I've, and uh, you maybe know. The, the the calm demeanor, <laughs> right? I don't get it, but you know she's older than I am, so I think senility is finally settling in. <laughs> uh, I think the other one that I've heard is Mel Gibson. Yeah, maybe the facial hair. With the yeah. facial hair now, yeah, yeah. Mel's copying me. Okay, well, he's got more gray. Who does this guy look like? <laughs> <laughs> that was the cut. That was the do at the time. Okay, so I I saw that. And someone popped into my head right away. Who's that? Who do you think? I have no idea. <laughs> oh, my God. See, I told you that was trendy back then. Look, there's, okay, if you look, 
there is a dimple, you know, you have same dimple, same jawline, <laughs> very, very similar jawline, right? Um, similar smile, similar nose, and uh, the hair. And then uh, to top it all off, the muscles, come on. Like, I used to be better when I was younger. <laughs> you never got that to Tony Danza back then? A little, a little bit? You I, see a, a little, I never uh, got the Tony Danza, no. But you see a little bit? A, like, well, like, yeah, I see a little bit. And, you know, if I see any more, mom's going to have a lot of explaining. <laughs> well, it's better than uh, Tom Hanks. I would think so. I mean, I like yeah. Tom Hanks, you know, for his comedy and for his acting. But, you know, I don't think I look or sound like Tom Hanks. Well, you know, so Tony Danza worked out, and, and you work out. Yeah. Uh, pretty f- and how important is, is fitness to you? Uh, a lot more important than skip the dishes. <laughs> so explain this. Is this how you usually dress at home? Like, <laughs> because <laughs> I went like, dressed up at Halloween as a gladiator <laughs> the one year. Have you ever done the 300, the Spartan 300 workout? Well, no. Like, those guys were jacked. Those guys were jacked. Jacked. So I, th- I think there's a Spartan. This is probably one of the few shots that where you're not smiling, but I, th- I think you're you're in well, full I, character. I, I was in character. That <laughs> night. I was in character that night. Right. Uh, let's. I got. I got a couple more here because, like I mentioned, trying to understand who you are um, was was so fun because there's not many people like you that can uh, you know essentially Perfect. just be out there. And it was. I was telling my wife, I mean, this guy's a fun fun guy, and. Um, when I, when I saw you, uh, when you walked in, um, earlier today, um, we just talked about stampede and are are you much of a partier or like, can you, can you keep going? Can you, (laughs) do you have adrenaline and, and, you know, endurance? I I have adrenaline. I have endurance. You know, Matt always laughs at me about this because even he says, I can't do what you do. Oh yeah, because you're yeah. out and about events. You're out and about. Uh, you know, I think one of uh, one of the things that came up early in the pandemic uh, was he said, "Like I'm not used to you being home so often." <laughs> so <laughs> right. He says, "Usually you're out, you know, two, three, four nights a week." No way. You know, and you're entertaining and you're doing your thing. You know, the thing that makes you happy. And he says, "Now you're home all the time." And he says, "I don't know what to do with you. I don't know how to entertain you. You're kind <laughs> <Right>. of annoying me." <laughs> Because you must have had to build that endurance to get to that level. Oh, sure. Right? Because in 1992, you did not have that endurance. Apparently not. Well, I have evidence. The Shane Shane Kent party. (laughs) (laughs) This is from the year 1992. I still remember. That's before they took all the beer cans off me. Oh, is that right? So have you, I'm, sh- I'm assuming you've proven them wrong that you can party. Shane can party Shane because can party. they were they all slept till noon and I was up at eight driving the houseboat back. Well, you know, you could certainly party, and and you you are very comfortable shirtless. <laughs> so, if you were on a beach right now, are you wearing uh, speedos? Are you wearing uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, no. Are, are, you, are you are you sure? <laughs> okay, that's in, in a it, that's a backyard. <laughs> it's in a backyard. This is what's and gonna I was happen. working on my tan. This is what's going to happen <laughs> when you go into politics. Someone's going to call you out. Someone's going <laughs> to. Well, hopefully they call me out for the right reason. You know what? I just I just love it because it just it tells me a lot about you. Just saying, hey, look, I'm enjoying life, mm-hmm. and I think we should all do that. Absolutely, should, absolutely I, enjoy life. It's it's uh, it's honestly it's short enough. Yeah, especially uh, you know in the case when you have kids. Yep. You know, uh, you know, a quick story. Uh, my son used to play soccer, okay. and he played it uh, for 10 years. And uh, one day in grade 10, 
he has to job shadow me. So we get up, we go into the office. By about noon, he's bored, you know, because he's been to a couple of meetings with me, and he told me he was bored and he was looking forward to going home. I'm like, great, but the day's not done. So we get to about 3 o'clock. Dad, can we go? No, the day's not done. 4 o'clock. Right. No, the day's not done. Finally, about uh, 5 o'clock, he says, can we finally go home? I said, no, we got a function to go to. We got, you know, uh, we've got to go. It's over <laughs> at Minhouse Brewery. Right. So I take him over there and, you know, he gets to meet a lot of the, uh, the people in the industry and some politicians and no, he didn't get any beer. He was too young. (laughs) Parents watching at home. Right. (laughs) Uh, you know, but he got a lot of free pizza and, you know, he enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, we hop in the vehicle. It's about seven thirty, eight o'clock at night and drive home and he falls asleep along the way. And, you know, we come in and he walks in, he gets about halfway up the stairs. He comes back down, he gives me a hug and he says, Dad, I now understand. And I said, what do you understand? And he said, all those nights that you ran home to take me to soccer practice or take me to a game or take me to tournaments. And he said, you know, by the time all that was done, he says, sometimes 9 o'clock, he says, I'd see you sitting on the couch with your head back. And he says, you're passed out. He says, I now understand. Wow. He really appreciated everything that I was doing for him. And I guess that was always my attitude is, you know, I'll have enough time to sleep later on when he moves out. Mm-hmm. Now I just find other things to do to keep myself <laughs> right. awake. But they, they grow up so fast, right? And, they do. And He's I, 21 I now and, uh, you know, it feels like 10 years. Yeah. It's, it's uh, as I was going through some of your social media feeds, you're like, yep, it's me and the boy or uh, the, yeah. the kids out there. And, and you can see the genuine love there. I've uh, always wanted that close relationship with mm-hmm. him, uh, you know, and that, uh, that was always important from the day he was born. I didn't understand how much my father sacrificed for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I was like, this guy's an asshole. Like, this guy's a jerk. He's so harsh. We all go through that. Yeah, I was like, you know, you, 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 you fight against your father, and then you realize that, man, this guy was working mm-hmm. 12 hours a day and still taking me to baseball practice and still driving me around the country to play baseball. Mm-hmm. And uh, the sacrifice, it's, it's great that your son notices that now. Right. I mean, some people never, some kids never do. Some kids never do, but he noticed it after that, you know, job shadowing day at work. Yeah. Now he still maintains, he says, dad, you have the most boring job around. <laughs> right. He said, you go to meetings yeah. and you, you know, you talk to people and you, you give them advice or, you know, you're taking their advice. He says, I don't get it. He says, it's just boring. <laughs> well, it took you a, a long time to get to that level that you can delegate and trust and you can do yes. this, right? You don't need to be the technical side of it. Probably what Cal was doing before a lot more hands-on. He had, well, I mean, of course, the company was a different size and there was a different corporate structure. Right. Uh, you know, Barry was responsible for the field operations. Cal was responsible for all the sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, but he had his fingers in purchasing and estimating and Barry had his fingers in service and warranty. And, mm-hmm. you know, and as the company grew, you needed a larger management structure. Right. And, you know, especially now with three separate divisions, you need a larger management structure to make that all work. Right. Well, what's, what's your legacy going to be at the end of the day? Your, your, your dad did a great job and helped start a foundation, but, uh, I, and there is a found, you, you do have a foundation, right? Uh, uh, the Cal Wenzel family foundation. Yeah. Is. What's, what's, what's your legacy? How do you want to be remembered? You know, that's a good question. I haven't really defined that just yet because I think I still have a number of years to go. Mm. Unless I, you know, fall into the I can't change trap and, you know, I'm going to have to move out of the way. I'm going to have to take my own advice. Is there something in that green box that you have in there? And, and some people don't know what the green box is, so I'll let you explain it. But 
Well, I, I was doing my will planning with my wife. Yes. Certain things I have in there. Is there something there that, wow, this is a dad's, uh, you know, high school t-shirt that he loved so much. Like whatever, like it's an obscure thing in that green box. Well, the green box is, you know, is all of that and more. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it's your, 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 your will and testament. It's, uh, it's a lot of things. It's, uh, it's letters to your family. It's letters mm-hmm. to your management team. Uh, you know, it's, it's letters to your children, uh, you know, there's a lot more that goes into that package. And somewhere in there, yeah, maybe there is a legacy message. <laughs> <laughs> I think people don't often think about that. They don't think that they're... Well, they don't think about credit cards or social media account passwords and shutting these things down and closing them off and having them all in one place mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 while your entire family is going through that kind of grieving process really helps them get through it as well. It showed that you cared. Right. You know, I was watching an interview with uh, Keanu Reeves, who, who I love Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I, I love just love his demeanor, his humility. And Stephen Colbert asked him, he said, Keanu Reeves, what happens when you die? And his response was brilliant. He says, he pauses, and he says, when you die, those who loved us will, will miss us, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you describe love? Why do you have to ask such difficult questions? <laughs> like, what what is unconditional love to you? Because to me, love is being there for that person every day, every way. You know, no different than uh, than with uh, with Sebastian is you know being there for the soccer practices. It's not about you know giving them you know monetary things. It's 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 about giving them that attention and and being excited for him. You right. know, I try and do that with with everybody I possibly can in my family. You know, Matt, uh, you know, every day, you know, it's. You know he's uh, you know he's had some uh, some back issues, so you want to be there for him at every every possible moment. If it's a doctor's appointment, if it's if it's uh, you know a new treatment, that's love to me. Is 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 being there when they most need you, mm-hmm. not when it's convenient. Not when it's convenient. There's always time for that. You know the company will survive even if I'm not there for a few hours or a day. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I saw a picture that that really warmed me. And, uh, you could, you could, one, he's a very handsome man, but you could, you could really see that. And, uh, when I looked at that, I thought to myself, wow, that's going to be a big fight at home, Boston versus New York. It's <laughs> <Right? laughs> like, I don't know how to get along, but, um, you know, Shane, I'm, I'm so happy when I see photos like this, that it's, it's genuine and it doesn't seem like it's canned and for social media, you seem like a, uh, an ultimate cool guy, but. When, when you describe uh, love, this, this is what popped up. It's being there for each other. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't, you probably didn't know that I had this picture here, but you <laughs> start to describe Matt, you know. It's a trip down my, uh, my uh, memory lane. Oh. You know, and that's what, it's, I, it's a beautiful that's what I like Instagram for. It's my photo album of life. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. So that's the last picture I have of you. I love it because, you know, you're not that character that we see on LinkedIn or the professional. The pro- it's just... You, you know, being 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 cool and kind, and and him being handsome and just leaning there—it's a, it's a wonderful photo. That's so. just that's just us. I love it. That's just what we do. So we are now. I know I'm I'm occupying. This is a, the fastest hour known to mankind, and I know I could speak uh, with you for another hour. I know you're a busy guy, but we're entering what's called the rise round. Uh oh. And the rise round is just quick questions, and and it's just it's fun because I think. Um, as successful as you are, you are a fun guy. 
and and I think you were described as goofy. I was reading a couple of posts, and and and, and Matt was like, "Yeah, this this I think goofy." That's Matt's guy. nickname for me is that right? It's goof. Is that right? So we are we're going to enter the rise round, and it's very fast. I'm just going to ask you a couple of quick questions. Shoot, and and then you you tell me whatever pops up uh, into your head. Uh, you ready? All right, ready, set, go. Ready rise round. Gonna be. Okay, so question number one, um, Shane. Matt always refers to you as the big goof. Give us an example of some of the goofiest things you've done. <laughs> when he first met me, he actually, uh, he, he actually thought there was something wrong with me. Okay. And, you know, another nickname he gave, up, gave to me was, you sound like Eeyore. What? Eeyore from You're completely Winnie the Pooh. off of, Eeyore's like depressed. <laughs> yeah, but when I was talking to him a few times, I was talking slow. Okay. And very mild <laughs> and he relates <laughs> that to eeyore so yeah. so that's, that's part of the reason he calls me goof oh is that or it, it wasn't these, because of goofy it wasn't because of goofy it was because of things like that uh you know he thinks i use these old words uh you know because i use the word chuckle with him one time and he says what are you born in the 60s <laughs> <laughs> who uses the term chuckle anymore it's a great word um so did you know that uh Goofy is one of, of course, one of the most popular Disney characters. Yes. Can you name, not, not Goofy, but can you name at least two gay Disney characters? Oh, God. Uh, what is it? Elsa from Frozen? I did not know that. Yes, I did not know. Because her powers, the fact that she was hiding her powers, yes. was, was her accepting who she was. I didn't yes. know that. Yeah. Who would be another one? Wow. There's like there's a couple, and I'm drawing a blank. Scar from The Lion King was gay. Was he? Yeah. If you Google Scar from The Lion King was gay, Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Ursula. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Timon and Pumbaa from The Lion King, because in the new uh, rendition of it, apparently they get, they get married. Really? Yeah. Which is really cool. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And and of course Cogsworth and Lumiere from B- Beauty and the Beast. So, you know, I have to give... out of the loop for a while. <laughs> I have to give Disney uh, uh, props for, you know, doing that. Yeah, subtly dropping that in, huh? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so, you... Uh, apparently, I heard that Christmas was a big... It's a big thing for your father. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't help but see a very specific lamp in some of your posts. <laughs> so, tell me, what does that lamp mean to you? <laughs> Well, it means more to Matt because it was his Christmas gift from his father, and it's that leg, that lady's leg lamp, <laughs> yeah, it, with the uh, with the mesh stocking from A Christmas Story, yeah. <laughs> and we watch that movie every Christmas. Oh, we watch it every year because it, we just we we just get a kick out of it, and that lamp is the funniest part. So his dad <laughs> got it for him about three years ago. So this thing comes up out of the basement and sits proudly in our family room in the back window. Every Christmas. So it, 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 and, and then it goes back down. And then it goes back down for safekeeping. So are you ever going to bring up, uh, you know, the, the BB gun? <laughs> Ralph, <laughs> Ralph, Ralphie's BB gun? And shoot my eye out? No. <laughs> Do you know the brand of that BB gun? Do you Red know? Rider. Red Rider. Yeah. yeah. Red Rider BB gun. Okay, good. Um, okay, so Matt's a big fan. Uh, I, I also noticed that you missed out on the Madonna concert recently. So missed out. I, I'm a big fan of Madonna because that's right. a lady who's reinvented herself multiple times. Uh, you guys have seen Kylie Minogue, right? 
Oh, yeah, that was two days after Spice Girls. Oh, is that right? She's brilliant. I love that Spice was Girls. That was an amazing summer and a great two weeks in London. So the world opens up. What's the first concert you want to go see when the world opens up? Who's touring? Let, let's say that we don't know who's touring. Damn it. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Uh, I would go and see Kylie again. Really? Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy Or sorry, uh I would go and see Kylie again, but you know what? Miley Cyrus might be interesting. Really? Interesting. Yeah. I never got a chance to see Michael Jackson. Uh, I Neither s- did I. I saw Prince. Yeah. Yeah, Prince was amazing. I saw Prince what? in Las Vegas yeah. years ago. Rod Stewart, believe it or not, was amazing. Really? Rod Stewart. And uh, still belted out. He was amazing. I think he must have been like 70 or 80. He was kicking soccer balls. He was his energy. Like he's... Maybe he's on, I don't know, Viagra. I don't know. Like he's, <laughs> he, was, he was there. It was, it was amazing. Based on the wives and the <laughs> children, yes, he is right. on Viagra. You've always preached about gra- uh, gratitude. That's something you're, you're very, mm-hmm. you practice all the time. What are you currently grateful for? I'm just grateful to make it through all this, uh, all this pandemic and, you know, and, and really getting, getting back to living life with people. Mm. You know, you never realize how, uh, how much of an issue it is when, when you're locked away. And we talked about it earlier about, you know, you're talking to people through a computer screen. It's just not the same. Mm. You don't have the same feeling. You don't have the same affinity for people talking to them through a screen. Being face-to-face is, 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 is probably one of the most important things to anybody's mental health around. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, next one, you're a self-proclaimed techno geek. Or t- is it techno geek, <laughs> I think? I think that's what I read, something about techno geek. Yes. What's a piece of technology that you wish came back or, or, or caught on that, that, that's irrelevant now? Well, this is, uh, this is an interesting one because, uh, you know, Matt, uh, Matt's always been a vinyl collector. And when, uh, when he wanted to, you know, to, to go down to record land and, and start, uh, you know, grabbing some cassette tapes, the younger generation has no clue what a cassette tape is. I have no is. idea what a cassette <laughs> like, tape a cassette is. Tape? I remember watching a show with Sebastian when he was younger, and they, uh, you know, they're popping up things yeah. on the screen that kids from this generation will never understand. The first one was, you know, a phone ringing, a dial tone phone, <laughs> right. yeah, and then the busy signal, and then this cassette tape pops up on the screen, and Sebastian looks at it, he's like, "What's that, Dad?" And I said, "Oh." <laughs> That's my generation's iPod. Yeah, that's true. That's what it was. You had to rewind it. You had to stick a pencil in it and spin it around. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's uh, that's something that, you know, that Matt and I will even buy each other for Christmas is cassette tapes no because way. some of the uh, some of the artists now are actually producing them. Cassette tapes. Cassette tapes. Yeah, well, analog sound is it's richer. It's more, you know, I don't know. It's nicer. It's fuller. It, there's just a, there's an air about it. Yeah, there's just, the crackling of the needle when exactly. it goes. It's just, it sounds really nice. Um. Did you ever end up buying that McLaren? No. Because <laughs> there's one poster like, I want it. That's all it said was a McLaren. So speaking of which, what's your favorite car then? I'm still partial to the uh, the Audi A8. Oh, really? Yeah. Iron, Iron Man, Tony Stark. Yes. <laughs> it's a beautiful car. Yeah. yeah. It's not pretentious. I don't find it's pretentious. It's not pretentious. It's oh. just, it's, it's got this, this wild look about it. And it's, right. uh, you know. So if you were able to, speaking of cars, if you're able to go back in a DeLorean mm-hmm. and, and travel back in time to visit anyone in the past, mm-hmm. who would you visit? My grandmother. Oh, no way. Tell yeah. me about her. Uh, well, she died when I was, uh, was young, you know, and it was, it was kind of inevitable. Her and my grandfather were joined to the hip. He passed away about three years earlier. 
you know, so you could you could tell that you yeah, know the time broken heart. the time was coming, and uh, I still remember uh, visiting her in the hospital. Uh, you know, she was she was dying of uh, of brain cancer of a, of a tumor in there, and I told her I would come back uh, one more time to visit, and she was gone eventually, and I never got the uh, the opportunity to come back for a visit because all she wanted to do was go out for breakfast with her grandson one more time. I share the exact same story, very similar. I was working in downtown Toronto, and my father keeps calling, and I'm like looking at it. I'm like, that's my dad, right? I'm, I'll call him after I'm done work, and I listen to the voicemail. He says, hey, Mike, your, your grandmother wants to see you. She's very sick. And I said, you know what? Okay, I'll, I'll go see her when I'm done work, and I was trying to work and climb up the corporate ladder. I eventually pick up the phone, and she says, your grandmother passed away, oh. and she was trying to hold on for you. And... Uh, it just reminds me that life is short mm-hmm. and, you know, li- life is too short to, to, to not say the things and experience the things that you really exactly. want to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, she'd be very proud of you regardless. Uh, well, you, I keep, uh, keep telling people, you know, when, uh, when my time comes, I said, that's the first person I'm going to visit and we're going for oh, breakfast. I love it. I love it. Oh, you're getting me choked up. Uh, <laughs> so you once said in one of your posts, it said, quote, once upon a time we were blindsided by COVID. The good thing is that once upon a time never happens again. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite children's story <laughs> <laughs> that starts with once upon a time? There is no favorite story that starts with once upon a time. Is My it? favorite child story <laughs> is the pokey puppy. <laughs> because if you look at some of these childhoods, they're pretty gruesome. They Well, yeah. I yeah. Mean, back then. That's... We were going to cook this kid and Hansel and Gretel. Yes. Yeah. We, we don't know that stuff. Right? You know, Snow White, what was going to happen there? Yeah. He's trying to kill her, yeah. trying to poison her. That's crazy. We grew up, and we that goes back that. to cancel culture. That's why we're yes. stronger. Right? That's why we're stronger. We understand this stuff. We live Yeah, we, we were hardened by cartoon characters. <laughs> right? So you and Matt are having a dinner party with five celebrities. Who would you pick? Oh, I think he'd pick them all for me. Oh, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, celebrities. I would, uh, I would probably pick uh, Don Johnson. Oh, yeah, Miami Vice. Yeah, for Miami Vice, yeah. but, you know, a little-known movie, you know, yeah. Harley Davidson and the Marble Man. It's a good movie. Yeah, yeah I, I have the poster up on my wall. I love it. I still watch it. Okay. <laughs> so, Don Johnson, you got four more. Don Johnson, probably Wesley Snipes. Really? That's yeah. obscure? <laughs> yeah, but he was one of my favorite action stars of the uh, yeah. of that era, so I always found him intriguing, and, really? uh, you know, he was such a versatile actor. He could play everything from Blade to, a you know, a drug dealer in New Jack City. <laughs> right. I thought he was great. You didn't think Jean-Claude Van Damme was good? No. <laughs> well, he's tight. He did the same thing. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, Wesley Snipes, Don Johnson, okay. Uh, Wesley Snipes, Don Johnson. I still love Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah. You know, he yeah. would narrate the entire event. He, would narrate, he <laughs> would narrate the entire event, and I would listen the whole time. Do you know that he's his? Uh, I think his right hand or left hand is paralyzed. Oh, is it? Yeah, car accident. Oh, sure. so if you ever watch a movie, it's like still. It's like he never grabs something. It's it's paralyzed. Well, isn't that interesting? That's a fact I didn't know. Yeah, got into a car accident many many years ago. So yeah. all of his acting, it's the hand is kind of still. Well, he does a hell of a good job. Unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable actor. So you got two more. Two more. Uh, Sean Connery. Oh. Sexiest man alive. Sexiest man of alive course. and always will be James Bond, even though he didn't want to be James Bond. That's true. I was a Roger Moore guy. I grew up watching Roger Moore. I hey, liked Roger Moore. I liked Roger Moore, too, but there was something that Connery had. I mean, you, you, even even when you look at the uh, the movies that he did later on in life, yeah. 
Sean Connery was cool and kicking ass until he was 75. Oh, absolutely. Who does that? Daniel Craig is not a bad James Bond, though. Oh, no, I mean, he's a great James Bond. Edgier, darker. Edgier, darker. Yeah, yeah. You know, but Sean Connery just had that extra, that extra something. Ooh, that would be tough. Who's narrating that dinner party? Sean Connery or Morgan Freeman? Now that would be a that would be a fight. Imagine those two debating. Oh <laughs> you got one God. more. That's five. <laughs> that's four. You got one more. Uh, who would be the fifth? Who would be the fifth? Clint Eastwood? Ooh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, Clint Eastwood. I always liked Clint in every movie he was in. You got some bad boys in there. Like, they're all pretty much bad boys. They're bad boys, you but are. I mean they. But uh, not the traditional bad boy. Not the traditional bad boy, but they uh, they speak up. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. Love it. They speak up. They have a backbone, and they're not afraid to be who they are. You know, speaking of speaking up, uh, I don't. I, I love guys like Elon Musk. I don't know if you follow Elon Musk. I do. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of his. I watched him on Joe Rogan's podcast, the very first one, and then the second one. He talks about how he's given up on uh, fighting against artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. He says, "You know what? It's we can't do anything about it. I've been trying to warn society forever. Yeah. When the robots do eventually take over, mm-hmm. are you going to join them, like Jean Luc Picard?" from Star, Star Trek, join the Borg, or are you going to fight the robot uprising like uh, Neo from the Matrix? Oh, I would fight the uprising, for sure. Really? Just yeah. to hold on to humanity? Oh, yeah. I, you know, let's... Uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're here for a reason. We're not here to be run by, you know, robotics and, and, and artificial intelligence, you know? I mean, it's the perfect Terminator scenario. Yeah. You know, but... Because Elon uh, said he would take that neural link and be part robot. He said it's inevitable. Really? I'll pass. Cool. Interesting. Pass. Interesting. You'd fight them. Um, how do you find happiness? How did you, how do you define happiness again? <laughs> like what makes you happy? Uh, what makes me happy? Well, really, I mean, I'm just, uh, just being myself more than anything. Right. You know, I mean, uh, everybody can relate in some way at some point in time in your life where you're not living your authentic self. Right. And when you finally do, that's happiness all in itself. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I, I, I love it. Um, we're almost done. You're answering. You're, you're doing a good job here. You okay. Did, you I'm didn't passing s- the test. Oh, yeah. You're doing great. So get <laughs> GPA up. <laughs> so if you and Matt are on a deserted island, yeah. what goes through your mind? A, this could be cheap beachfront property and I want to develop on it. B, where's my charger? I need to call for help. But first, let me do a social media post. <laughs> Or C, let's just turn off our phones and enjoy the moment and our privacy. Uh, it's going to be C. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Good. Deserted island, just to be like, hey, we don't need help. Let's just enjoy this right now. Yeah, let's just enjoy the moment and uh, and hang out for a bit. Then you start to build beachfront property. <laughs> right? I'd figure out a way to build a hut, you know, with a view. Oh, you know what? I, I said a, a comment about Gilligan's Island. Yes. A while ago, and these millennials had no clue what I was talking about. Of course they wouldn't. I said, Gilligan's Island was one of the greatest shows ever. I, I would have stayed on that island. <laughs> Stay on the island. Well, I had a volcano. It had absolutely everything, it's right? amazing. Yeah, a lot of, you know, coconuts, papayas. <laughs> these, these millennials are like, look at these two old guys talking. <laughs> right. Who are these old guys are talking? What is Gilligan's freaking island? <laughs> um, if you had 60 seconds to spend with your 18-year-old self, what would you tell them? Oh, lots. Hmm. What would your best piece of advice? Uh, my best piece of advice would be just, you know, again, I go back to being your authentic self. You'd, one, you don't know it all. Right. So shut up and listen. But, uh, you know, just be yourself. Mm. 
don't overthink things. Don't worry about, you know, what other people are going to feel. Just spit it out. Be who you are. Mm. You can learn from those mistakes. What, what do you think is preventing people from being their most authentic self or, or reaching their potential? Today's world. <laughs> right. Well, with the cancel culture, I mean, how the hell do you ever open up? How the hell do you become your authentic self when you have to second guess and third guess everything yep. that's going to come out of your mouth for fear that somebody's going to be offended? Mm. Yep. It's an evil, evil path to be on right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm so absolutely against it because it's, it'll ruin people. Mm. We're going to get to the point where we're not going to talk anymore. We're just going to use freaking hand signals. Or my favorite is if you go to uh, go to uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone's movie Demolition Man. I mean, if that's yeah. the way the world is going, you I don't know. You better put me down now. How how can we cure that? How can we stop that? Well, again, you know, people have got to stop being so bloody offended. They've got to they've they've actually got to sit there and accept the fact that other people have opinions, mm-hmm. and that the world you know was there long before they were. I mean, I don't I don't I, I don't agree with Stalin. You know, are are we going to erase them from history? No, there's a lot to learn from that, from, uh, you know, from oppressing people, from uh, from being an absolute uh, gruesome dictator. Mm-hmm. You learn something from that. You cannot erase that from the history books, or honestly, we're doomed to repeat it. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, people have to stop being so bloody offended and just deal with it. Mm-hmm. We had to. Again, you know, I go back to this world was built on compromise. You weren't right. I wasn't right. But somewhere in the middle, we found right. compromise. Let's get back to compromise and, and you know, start building back. Uh, oh, God, I stole that. No, let's erase that one. <laughs> uh, let's start building a better world from all of this. Right. Do, do you think the world is going to be better in the next five years? Are you optimistic? Because you seem like the most optimistic guy I know. I'm but optimistic because I believe in the human spirit. There's no way that... Uh, that you can continue on down this path, people will eventually push back. I think you've seen it uh, in a, on a minor, well, is it a minor scale when you get one and a half million people walking the streets of, uh, of London protesting saying no more lockdowns? Right. You know, eventually you can push people too far. Mm-hmm. And eventually they sit there and say enough is enough. Right. You know, so that vocal majority have to finally sit there and say too bad minority. Uh, you can't be offended on everything. Mm-hmm. This is the world. Deal with it. Right. You know, the same way that I had to do with my son when he was growing up and he was throwing a temper tantrum. It's like, well, then sit in your room and enjoy life. Yeah. Come down when you're, uh, you know, when you're done having your temper tantrum. Right. And I, I think it's, that's what uh, you callous over, mm-hmm. um, you know, adversity or, or, or weakness. Yes. You toughen yourself and you build resiliency and character. Sure you do. Yeah, so, no, I, I completely... Um, Love it. You know, this has the, been the fastest. Is, believe it or not, it's about an hour and a half. Is it an hour and a half? <laughs> it's an hour and a half. The fastest hour and a half. I was supposed to only be an hour of your time. <laughs> and, and we just uh, had some great conversations. What are you currently working on right now? And, and, and how can we find you? Of course, you're on social media. But what are you currently working on? What's, what's near and dear and important to you? Uh, you know what? It's just, uh, you know, growing the group of companies in, in the way that I envision it. Right. You know, and uh, again, you know, you go back to, you know, what's happened over the past year with uh, with the pandemic, you know, really trying to understand, again, what customers want, because that is shifted. It is definitely shifted. So I think they're looking for more of a personalized experience, one that's based on a great customer experience. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm forever working on that. 
because I want to see it come to fruition. I want people to actually have fun building a new home. I don't want it to be stressful. It shouldn't be stressful. Let's just have a good laugh along the way and enjoy doing it because that's what it should be. Right. And that's, that's the dream for many people. Mm-hmm. That's their lifelong dream. And so you're, you're, you're making that happen. So, you know, we are, we've, we've hit the end of our show. Um, Shane, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I, I congratulate you on all the success that you've accomplished. Uh, I truly believe that not all mentors and heroes wear capes. And you're certainly one of those mentors that a lot of people look up to, uh, being the position that you're in as an entrepreneur, as a person who's come out, as just an overall kind, you're probably one of the kindest people, nicest people I know. Thank you. And uh, we need more people like you. You know, we, we need more outspoken people who represents positive change. And, and I absolutely enjoy this, this hour and a half. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Uh, you know, there's more of us out there. <laughs> Let's well. They just have to get on social media. They have to start speaking up again. Absolutely. So thank you so much for, for the time. I really appreciate you. And uh, what's your, um, for those people who don't know you around the world, what's your hashtag, your handle? <laughs> Let's let's. I keep it simple. It's just at Shane Wenzel. At <laughs> Shane Wenzel. You know, and uh, you know, if there's a hashtag, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's usually coming from the company. Is we are Shane. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, my friend. I thank really you. appreciate it. And I learned, you know, after this hour and a half, I absolutely believe that I learned a lot from you, and I'm uh, a better person because of it. So thank you so much. Great. All right. Thanks, Mike. Take care.